Welcome to Get Off the Mic, a hockey podcast by hockey nerds for hockey nerds. Brought to you by the writers from GetOffTheIce.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Matt Kenley, and with me, as always, is Paul William H. Macy. And for this week uh, in our inaugural episode, we're also joined by gaudy staff writer Aaron Coetzer. How are you guys doing? Not bad, not bad. Well, this is Aaron's first podcast, and this is also Paul and mine's, but uh, we did a test one. So, Aaron, uh, what are you looking forward to today? Just being able to talk about some uh, some good old hockey with the guys, you know, getting into the draft in a bit, and uh, it's my forte, so I'm hoping it'll go well. You aren't excited to talk about William H. Macy? Not at all. I share a name with that man. <laughs> Have some respect. I respect for him. Uh, we'll see about your opinions today, though. <laughs> it could change a lot. <laughs> He's an old man with long hair and shameless, and that's all that matters. And also, exactly. mystery men. If you guys haven't seen that movie, he's uh, a superhero, but his superpower is just carrying a shovel. All right. Yeah, Yikes. it's awesome. All right, well. We'll start off today with just getting to know each other a little or letting the listeners get to know us. Paul, who is your favorite obscure player? Obscure player? Yes, sir. Ooh. They were not prepped on this, so if yeah. they don't know off the top of This is of an head, interesting one. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, Aaron, you want to go first? Do you have one? No, no, I don't. I know. <laughs> I got to um, think. <laughs> I don't oh, know if this counts as obscure, but very controversial, I guess. Okay. Is going to be Brian McCabe. I don't yeah. know if that counts, but he got a lot of flag playing in Toronto. He was yeah. like the pre-Jay Gardner, but he was like my favorite player growing up. Does that so, make so you, Hal Gill Roman Polak? Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I watched some of those replay games on Sports Center, and uh, Hal Gill wasn't all that bad. Gosh, Paul. Aaron, have you got an answer? No. Um, I don't think I do off the top of my head. Like, when I'm just thinking obscure, like, I'm thinking of somebody who I just wouldn't think of it. Like, and I, I would say, that goes back to like the good old Buffalo days, like we were mentioning a while ago, like Finneganov. Like he had what two great seasons and then just disappeared into thin yeah. air back at Russia. So, like that's a really obscure player. Like if you think about that team, he didn't really stand out because he wasn't the star. Like Danny Briere was the star, like not last year when they made that huge run. But yeah, when you think of those that... Buffalo teams, he's definitely not the first guy you think of. No, no, no. He's not just even so obscure. Probably top five. No, no, but it's just so obscure because, like, he came out of nowhere and had a good couple of years. And yeah, that's a good one, him. actually. I like that one. Mine is that one year Yuri Hoodler put up, like, 80 points with oh, Calgary. I remember that. Yeah. Traded yeah. to Dallas later the next season. Yeah. Yeah, I like that guy. Anyway, yep. so we'll get on with it. We're going to take on our first bit of hockey news, which uh, during a pandemic means there isn't actually any. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the upcoming NHL entry draft and what uh, the top 10 could look like. To do so, we are going to sim the lottery draft by uh, using tankathon.com, which will, which has used uh, the current uh, record as well as all the predictions and all that to give us an accurate sim of what could potentially happen. So as we sim right now, that's wildly unfortunate. Uh, with the first pick, jumping up from fifth, is Anaheim. 
The second Ooh. pick, jumping up from sixth, is Buffalo. And then third is Ottawa's pick, who was, which was originally second. The rest goes Detroit, Ottawa, the, the second one being from San Jose, L.A., New Jersey, Montreal, Chicago, and New Jersey again via the Arizona pick. So uh, you, you might have to repeat that to me once, uh, once we go through this. <laughs> no worries. We'll go one pick at a time. Uh, so we're going to go team by team and see if we kind of agree on the type of player or which player they should be picking. So starting off with Anaheim at one, does anyone have a hot take here? Or are we all kind of on the same page? I, I think it's a consensus. We all have yeah. the same. I don't think it's even a question. I'll be honest. I thought there was a question kind of going into the the winter, like turning at the turn of the new year, you know, looking at the uh, the World Juniors. I thought, because Byfield's center, he's a year younger. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. I feel like there's a little bit more runway to see if he can ascend, but Lafreniere like, is generational. Yeah. Like, the thing for me, in my opinion, was I, I thought the same as you. It could be 1A, 1B, Byfield being 6'4", fast as hell. But, like, you, when you watch the World Juniors, you just see the difference in the skill. Like, same draft year, but Lafreniere, even the smaller stature, he, he's just so much better all around than Byfield. Byfield was playing the fourth line minutes at best at points. Like, just not even getting in. Where I, I just remember watching... Uh, Lafreniere coming in, knocks the puck out of midair uh, in the offensive zone, and just does forehand backing like nothing. Like it wasn't even a challenge to him. But then it seemed that everything was a challenge for Byfield to be able to keep up with these guys that were still in junior. So that that to me was the biggest difference for me. To be fair, Byfield was playing a year up. Um, he again, he's seventeen, and Lafreniere is eighteen, and it was an eighteen-year-old tournament. But um, your point does stand. There was a noticeable difference. And yeah, that Lafreniere play where he knocked it out of the air, that was right off the draw after Canada had scored. Exactly. And that was that was unreal. Um, so we'll move on unless Paul has any objections to Lafreniere going first to Anaheim. Uh, absolutely not. All right, Buffalo. Are we taking the man we've already mentioned? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'd say so too. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear one, two. And uh, does Aaron have anything to say about that? No, I just love Paulson depth right there. Yes, it was great. Um, <laughs> I'm not the no, greatest like, at uh, analyzing draft picks, but you look at what Byfield's been able to do at 17, and if we said that there originally was a little bit of an argument about who would go first, you know this guy's going second. Yeah, yeah, especially no, being a center, disagree. like, and with the kind of Casey Middlestad experiment fizzling out a little, um, yeah. you can definitely pencil in Byfield to be a a 1B to Eichel in the near future. Yeah, it's that other support that they don't have up the middle right now that they thought they had in middle style, which they, they they rely so much on Eichel that it's just way, way too much reliability on him. So this would just really help their offense all around. Yeah. He had a, he had an almost MVP caliber season, but, uh, you know, we'll talk about that a little later. So, you know, stay tuned for that. So three here, we got Ottawa. All right, Paul, you want to jump in first? Um, sure. There was an argument online a couple of days ago, but then again, it's Twitter, so you never really know what to take seriously. But that Byfield might drop to third because of this next guy. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Is it Tim Stutzel? Yeah, Stutzel. Stutzel? Yeah. And I don't think that's the case. We already outlined what Byfield is. We don't need to go over it again. But I think this guy's pretty much a lock for third. Um, 
obviously there's room for argument, but I mean, this guy playing in the Dell league, like that's pretty much almost pro close to it. He's putting up good numbers. He's offensively gifted. I mean, that's a guy that Ottawa could use. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's pretty unreal. Um, have some of his highlights are, are, Remind me of like Hoglander style of skill, except yeah. uh, Stutzel's got a way better all-around game. Aaron, have you got any objections to Stutzel going three? I do actually. Oh, <laughs> so so the thing is, I don't think he's not a good player. Like I think Stutzel's gonna be a stud. But the I thing is, you have to look at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why. Um, I would say look at what Ottawa has in their farm system. They've been drafting forwards for the last God knows how many years. And then when they traded Stone, they finally got their prospect of the future for defensive Brandstrom. Like, I don't think they have anybody else besides Shabbat and Brandstrom for the future. You can argue Lajoie, but he spent most of last year in Belleville. Like, they have all these pieces, but like they don't have a stud. They don't have another stud. And when Shabbat ends up uh, needing somebody to eat some minutes from him, because he's been, he averaged, what, th- almost 30 minutes for a certain yeah, amount of time last year. That. Yeah, an insane yeah. amount. And you can't rely on that for most of the last year. So, like, Drysdale's my guy to go three. Especially if Ottawa has that pick. I see Ottawa needing defense. They don't need any more offense. They just traded for Josh Norris. They still have Schlappick coming out. They still have Logan Brown. They still have uh, so many guys that are just so good. They, they, they don't need another forward. They need defense. And they can afford to take Drysdale at three because there's so many other forwards still sitting there that they can get with their other pick. Yeah, I de- uh, to be honest, I did think about that. Um, but I do think Drysdale, he, I mean, he's exceptional. But his kind of pre-draft ranking is, you know, a, a, a show of the fact that the defensive class and at the top of the draft is pretty poor. I mean, it's just him and really Sanderson. But mm-hmm. uh, I think for Ottawa, like, they don't really have that type of Stutzel player. Like, even, like, Brady Kachuk, he's more of a, a rock and roll and type of player Stutzel is very skill-based um mm-hmm. although I, I mean that Drysdale pick is not a bad one at all getting the best defense or the projected best defenseman in the draft is uh is definitely a move that uh, that would be commended yeah no so like I worked with the ice dogs this year and like I met some OHL scouts and they even said like Drysdale at one point was pushing top three top two for Byfield and that was just before the entire season ended and that's just because of his vision his play his calm his cool like he it's it's different to say like he never stood out when you saw him but that's the thing you never want a defenseman that stands out or makes huge errors he was just consistently good every game so i think that's just something ottawa would look to for consistency and maybe adding just that back end stable because again like you said adding to the point of yeah he's the only real defenseman besides sanderson but i don't see sanderson as a top five talent no and then and then you just see everybody else it's like Ottawa has the other pick. So to be honest, even if they got a, a Raymond or a Holtz or a Rossi or a Perfetti, they're all skill guys and that they could easily fit into the Ottawa lineup just as well, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. And you heard it here first, people. The new insider trading. <laughs> all right. At four here we got Detroit. Um this is where I had Drysdale going, because um, Detroit doesn't really have anything. Um, but especially they don't have defense. At least they got Zadina up front with Beleno. So I had Drysdale going to Detroit. Um, Paul, any thoughts? I had the same. Yeah. I think um, Detroit did really well in the past couple drafts. 
they got a lot of good picks, like the Zadina one. Then they got Valeno late in the draft. And then McIsaac um, a little later, right? Yep. I think that was a second round one. I think they had a great draft. And last year, they su- they had a surprising draft with their first more, pick. More insider. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll be a top pairing. But Drysdale is by far a better player. So I would say Detroit would go with them if Ottawa doesn't take it, if this was a real draft. Aaron made a very compelling argument there. Um, I think that's the 3-4, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the two guys. You can flop them depending on team needs, whatever. But, yeah, I had Drysdale going to Detroit here. Yeah, so I was the same as you guys, uh, except I just flipped Drysdale and Stutzel. Um yeah. For me, it was just of they traded Athanasiu, fast skill guy. Stutzel just fit their lineup better, in my opinion. He's the skill guy that Detroit needs because they only really roll one line or had one line last year with Mantha Bertuzzi and uh, Larkin. So, to me, it was just a better fit because this adds another dimension of skill. And like you, Paul said, he already played pro, so he could step in right away where Ottawa's not looking to be a stud team next year. They said they were trying to compete for 2021-2022. So... I would say Stutzel's more of an impact there. They can step into Detroit right now where Ottawa's more patient and they're going to get what they need, like you said, in the, in the defenseman. All right, sounds good. Um, we are running a little short on time, so we'll make this one our last discussion. But it's Ottawa's second pick in the, in the top five here. So now that we've kind of gotten that top four out of, way, out of the way, the draft really opens up to, you know, four or five very interesting, yeah. interesting, very good players. and. I mean, six mm-hmm. if you count the goalie, Askarov. So uh, who wants to take this one and uh, and be bold? Well, like I have, I have an in-depth look on it. But like, if you come into the season, uh, Raymond was ranked two or three, right? Like skill yeah. out of beyond skill. But then you also look at what Perfetti's goal scoring ability is. Like to me, the only three real options are Raymond, Perfetti, and then you can look at Askarov. But he had a really bad World Juniors. He became the backup there, so Asgrove was shown as shaky, but yeah, he's still young. Like He was the most hyped up goalie prospect since Gary Price. Now, I look at Ottawa and I say, yeah, like they have Hogberg, they have Gustafson coming up, but I don't see them as long-term solutions. Asgrove could be. If you look at forwards, they again, like you said, they need a stud forward that could be a goal scorer like Perfetti, which they're lacking because they have Kachuk, which they drafted, which was more two-way. Uh, or they could look at Raymond to get more skill, but then, like I said before, they already have more skill. So it's really a toss-up if Ottawa ends up being here. Like, they could just choose whoever they wanted uh, in that moment. For me, the best player that I would take would be Perfetti. Like, same thing as Byfield. He was playing U18s last year, absolutely dominated the tournament. He was one of the last cuts at the World Juniors, uh, and they still had two underagers uh, playing up, right? So imagine him being that close and still being an underager. So I would say Perfetti would be my pick there, just to fit in. Really nice. That's a that's a fair pick. Um, I, while considering Perfetti, Askarov, Raymond, and Holtz, uh, opted for Marco Rossi at this spot, in part because you know a lot of the scouting reports have been reading you know his two way offense uh, or uh, play is incredible. He's a great offensive threat, but more than anything, the thing that sticks out most about him is, is his confidence and. I, I I mean, while Ottawa is still kind of toiling from their awful years, I I really do think that they could use another Brady Kachuk type of confident player in the room. And given that Marco Rossi is really just about NHL ready, I think pairing those two up can really create a great identity for Ottawa. 
and give DJ Smith something more to work with. So that was my go. Uh, Paul, what have you got here? <laughs> I'm going to be uh, cheeky and, and try to avoid the conversation by saying you could either, you could take either guy. I don't think it's a bad pick, whoever you take. I'm going to lean towards Rossi only because this is going to sound really dumb, but he played in, for Ottawa 67s. Why not just keep him in the city? No, that does make some sense because uh, since he's in the city, they were more readily able to you know, scout him. So therefore, they have more accurate reports on, on how he plays and, uh, and all things necessary to, uh, to, in order to know what you're drafting in a player. So there is logic to that. So don't, don't, uh, don't knock yourself down too much. Yeah, but so, both, both players are going to be phenomenal. So we'll move on here. That was a, a good little discussion. We obviously got the rest of the top 10 that would have been very interesting, but we are just itching to get to our next topic um, as we introduce the segment Ice Time. Ice Time is where we're going to take one of uh, the articles published on getofftheice.com this previous week and talk about it. Uh, this week, we're talking about our end of season awards. So the entire staff of Gaudi uh, submitted their five player ballots for eight and end of season awards. And uh, we tallied up the results and we had our, our champions. Now, some of them are actually, I don't, I don't really think any of them are all that hot takes, but there were definitely some hot takes with regards to uh, some of the people's individual picks. So we'll take this one at a time. We'll go in the order that the, uh, that the uh, awards sit, that the awards go in the article. So starting off, we had the heart. Uh, our runaway winner was McKinnon. He finished with 26 points. That was followed up by Drysidle and Panarin. So the main kind of thing here is that McDavid did not end up as a finalist, and that Connor Hellebuck actually got in as sixth. What uh, what have we got to think about that? I think it's hard to argue McKinnon not winning it. Um, the things that that guy does is unbelievable and I know McDavid does that but he does like it's a yearly thing for him we all know that but McKinnon seems like he's kind of each year just stepping it up more and more and I honestly think he's pushing for the number two overall player in the NHL oh I think he unquestionably has it yeah I think he passes Crosby that's no knock at Crosby it's just age um he's got I would say slightly better team around him in Pittsburgh. Um, but McKinnon, like how many injuries has Colorado had this year? They had Ransom out for a long time. Landis Gog was out. Codger was out. Makar was out. And somehow yeah. McKinnon has been able to just kind of drag them into that top uh, position. I, I mean, agree. Like it's hard to, it's hard to argue McKinnon, like McKinnon's, again arguably heart each year like just like just like paul said but for me i think i voted uh mckinnon to dry one but the only reason was that um dry just single-handedly dominated the league this year and i'm not saying mckinnon didn't but just look at dry point totals when the season when they had what a third of the season left he still he was at 100 something points something and insane. yeah something insane and he was on pace to break like the single season point record in 25, 30 years. And right. that's hard to argue because if you look, and this, this goes back to the coach's article part that I wrote, that if you look at the team, they've been relying on McDavid and Dreisaitl so much, but McDavid was injured for a, a good amount of time coming into the year. And then he was taking it easy. And then 
you had to lean more on dry sidle. So he had to become that that go to guy in every scenario. And he was, and he and he killed it. Now that's not knocking McKinnon, because I think again, McKinnon should deserve the heart each year. But then you also look at the, the impact that they had on their team. If you again look at Edmonton's top two scorers and then look at third place, it's it's a significant amount. The only argument to that is look at uh, Colorado's top scorer and then look at second place. Yeah, no, I'm not. That's very true. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. Just to play devil's advocate. Like, no, devil's advocate for sure. I'm not going to disagree. But then at the end of the day, it was just like which team ended up having more success with that one player at the, at the top. That that was my decision making to it. No, no, that's fair. And I mean, I'm I'm intrigued by the uh, Connor Hellebuck votes, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit as it gets a little juicier when we get to the Vesna. Um, and here we got the Norris Trophy. Um, I'm going to take the lead on this because our winner was John Carlson. Runner-ups were Yossi and Petrangelo in that order, and then we had some honorable mentions in Hedman, Shea Theodore, and Ryan Ellis. And I didn't have John Carlson on my ballot um, because he's not a good defenseman, in my opinion. <laughs> He is the best offensive defenseman, uh, bar none. I don't think that's even a question. He was he was on pace for 90 points this season. Um, that's absolutely incredible. But he excels at half of a defenseman's role, which is generating offense. The other one is being the main line on defense. In fact, that being the main line on defense is inherent in the name, and I think it plays a bigger role. And he fails spectacularly in that um, because while he put up about 90 points he also gives up uh, a huge amount more uh, than anyone's really willing to talk about because he is so gifted offensively um, but that's where someone like my bold pick for uh, for Norris champion Shea Theodore comes in where no one else even voted for him um, Absolutely. but <laughs> I don't think anybody voted for your top two gotta be honest bro no, no, and I'm okay with that because they were incredible in my eyes. Uh, you know, Shea Theodore did a lot with a Vegas uh, blue line that frankly didn't play all that well. It was really just him, so he was hampered by playing in the defensive zone, having relatively crappy uh, pairings as well, um, and yet he still managed to put up a pretty good uh, offensive season while also just dominating possession stats, which is kind of the main role of defensemen. Like, you can't it's hard to generate offense from the point, but if you're able to just keep the uh, keep the puck on your team's stick as well as keep it in the other team's zone, I think that's the most you can ask for. And he, you know, actually, Dougie Hamilton was quite close to him, and frankly, I would have given it to him had it not been for his his, yeah. uh, his season-ending injury. But um, I think it was just incredible what he did. Now I know that I'm in the major the minority there. <laughs> so, uh, do either of you have comments on either? Carlson winning, Yossi not winning, um, or any of the other results from our Norris Trophy voting? No, honestly, I think the problem is with Norris is they focus too much on the points Yeah, the past couple of years. I think they need to move away from that. I was biased because that's how I now view it. Like, that's why I had Yossi and then Carlson, because those were top two guys, uh, offensively gifted. Yossi's better defensively, but he's still not all that great. Great. Ryan Ellis is probably better as his pairing, but we gotta hmm. move away from that. Yeah, no, for me, no disagreement. Like Yossi's the better two-way defenseman. Carlson and himself is just so offensively gifted. And 
I'm with Paul. They focus more on the points now and the offensive output than they actually do defensive. If you look at it, then if you argue defensive, just look at Chris Russell, like two years ago, most block shots in the league, but that's what a defense. I'm just saying like, it's obscure, but that's what a defenseman's supposed to do. Play defense. You're not focusing on Eric Carlson getting 70 points. That's we'll not say, defense. We'll now, say Kurt Carlson, Eric Carlson, sorry. Mm-hmm. Should have won the Norris the year that Brent Burns did because he was one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league that year. But the mm-hmm. year, the first year Eric Carlson won the Norris, he probably shouldn't have because he was current John Carlson. And I can, and that's what I'm saying. But if uh, if you look at Carlson in that first year, I completely agree with your point. And you see how offensively gifted he was playing two ways. That's what you look at. But then you go look at the next year and you look at Brett Burns. Uh, you can say anything you want about his point totals, his plus minus and matching. No, the Norris is definitely an interesting discussion, and there's certainly more to get into. Uh, you know, potentially a defensive defenseman award, which would help kind of alleviate the the blurred lines of what we vote for. But for now, we'll move on to uh, something that I find maybe the in- most interesting: the Vesna Trophy, where Tukaras took it in a walk, um, forty-seven points. And really, the only notable thing is Connor Hellebuck came second with 34, but yet Connor Hellebuck finished in the top six for heart voting, and Tugaras did not actually even get a point. And I think that's pretty interesting, specifically, actually, with one of the fellow writers, uh, Steve. He voted Hellebuck as second uh, in the heart, but also second in Vesna. And when I asked him about it, uh, I think he kind of echoed something that at least I believe in, is that the heart is meant to be most important to one's team and Hellebuck was the second most important player to his team uh second to Panarin in Steve's eyes um but that Ras play better well like you gotta look at it I, Winnipeg went out and traded Truba Bufflin didn't come back and their defense was absolutely depleted where they had to start Billy Hanola at the beginning of the year right so Winnipeg had a significant change that um, I would say not most goalies would be used to. Look at Carey Price and how he's changed uh, from Montreal's defense over the years. Like it's these not having consistent aspects now. They've had Weber, uh, Mete, Petrie, and a couple guys around for a bit longer, so he's more stable. But the past couple of years, he hasn't been Carey Price. He hasn't been what we know him to be. So Hellebuck, but being able to do what he's been doing with the the defense that he's had, the inconsistency throughout the year, I would say he's deserving of the heart or not winning it, but at least being mentioned. Like he carried Winnipeg for a few, for a good amount of the season when they were, they were really only rolling two lines and two defensemen. That's my opinion on it. No, absolutely. I mean, I actually, I think I was the only one who voted Hellebuck over Rask. Um, and it was for those exact reasons that you mentioned. He had more, he had less to work with, and he had more work on his plate. Paul? Oh, Braska, better team, better stats. That's it. Oh, and to be honest, Rask played incredibly. And to be honest, mm-hmm. he, he definitely he earned the Vesna. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Um, but it was really a two-horse race. And to be honest, I was a little surprised uh, by how much he, he uh, ended up conquering over Alibuck. Now, we don't want to give away our whole article because we want to entice people to go uh, and check out, but uh, some little highlights. Find out who won between Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr because that one was extremely tight. That was the yeah. tightest of all of our races. Um, we had a 
first time Selkie winner. So yes, neither Ryan O'Reilly or Patrice Bergeron won it. Was it Mark Stone? Was it Anthony Sorelli? Or was it Sean Couturier? Was it Nathan Mc... Was it Austin Matthews? Because <laughs> he got a vote. Uh, the Ted Lindsay was an interesting vote as well. Jack Adams was actually our tightest. Our winner had 29 points, second 26, then 25, 22. So that one was an extremely close race. Yeah. And maybe the most interesting is that a, a free agent ended up in the top five of our GM voting. So find out who by going to getofftheice.com and checking out our end of season awards. All right, so we'll move on here. We'll get into some more hockey news. Um, And some great news out of the KHL. Known good guy, Bill Peters, uh, got hired there. So, you know, don't say that good things don't happen to good people. That poor guy had to wait an agonizing five months before getting a job in the second biggest hockey league. How much of a joke uh, is the KHL now? I mean, more than it was before. Like, ah, uh, I mean, that's just, we, ha- we have to talk about it because, I mean, it, it is big news. He's a bad human. Yeah, can um, I say something on this? And then that, that's go. it for me. I don't think we need to even talk about this guy for too long because he doesn't deserve uh, the attention and people talking about him. He's a bad person. That's fair. He doesn't deserve a second chance. He hasn't proven to anybody that he's changed like he might say he's changing and he regrets his actions that's great but you have to then prove to everybody else that you actually have changed and the only person that actually deserves a second chance here is Akeem Alou and I'm so happy that he has at least got to play a little bit overseas in a professional league and I hope that Mm -hmm. his career can pick up from there because that guy did not deserve anything that happened to him that's all I'm going to say on this guy yeah that's fair um, I brought him up because I don't mind uh, picking on a, a genuinely bad person for a little bit. Um, so in comments to Russian media, uh, he said that uh, it, everyone deserves a second chance and that everyone does grow from uh, their previous selves, you know, kind of echoing what Paul said. Um, but uh, he also said um, in the letter, uh, and then he referred to it in that uh, in that talk with the Russian media that those uh, N-words that he was uh, saying, you know, the worst word in the English language, uh, were not directed at anyone. And I just can't... <laughs> oh my god, shut up. And it's just, it's just comical. Like, this guy's never coming back. How is that changing? He hasn't changed. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's bad. <laughs> it's just, it, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna torture us too long with that. I found it funny because he is so pathetic. Um, and yeah, I didn't mind taking aside two minutes and 30 seconds to, uh, to pick on him. I'm but in more time, and the worst part of this was the entire process through it too, how he was just, he wasn't saying anything, but he knows what he did. And it, he's just sitting there. He's just waiting. And then finally, when somebody like Kimilu speaks out, then it's like, okay, now, now I'm sorry. And I know what I said. That was the worst thing for me. I think the worst thing kind of building off that for me was when he did give that sorry, it was the lawyer sorry. It was the curated 
yeah you know like letter um exactly like the houston astros and like other coaches in that coaching purge had to do that as well but then a lot of the time like with mark crawford for instance they gave that lawyer one because you kind of have to legally, but then you come out with a real genuine one or at least something that even sounds somewhat genuine, even if it isn't. And Bill Beaters just never did that. And uh, this could be inferring, but I don't think he's really deserved the benefit of the doubt, but that kind of shows that maybe he doesn't really think what he did was wrong, which is a shame. But nevertheless, we shan't waste more breath on him, as Paul rightly said. Um, So we'll move on to some more recent hockey news. Dustin Bufflin is for sure no longer a Winnipeg Jet. Uh, they're con- they figured out a deal to have his contract terminated earlier this morning, or sorry, yesterday morning. Um, so where do we think he'll end up, and for how much? I have so, no idea. I don't so, know if he's the kind of guy that's going to go into a team and be like, I'll take a cheap deal just to play on a contending team or if he wants the money. I have no idea. I've heard that he's the nicest guy ever. They're going to look at, oh, the Leafs could use a guy like him, and he'd be a perfect fit for them. But they have no money, so unless he's willing to take a no-money deal to come to Toronto, I don't see that happening. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at the trends for defensemen, right, Shattenkirk, uh, Girardi, uh, like they tend to go to contending teams. Who who was it even Coburn? That's no Coburn his contract. I'm trying to. There was somebody else. Tampa signed. Shattenkirk was the main one. Yeah. Yeah, Shattenkirk was the main one. But like, there's all these guys that just get bought out. They're making six plus mil, five plus mil a year that want to go to a team that can take less money. Like, look at Tampa, no tax state, so they can afford to take less money. Those teams are hard to come by, and um, I don't. To your point, Paul, I don't see him going to Toronto. I don't, to be honest, I don't really see him coming back at all. I see Bufflin just retiring because you, you got to think he was playing in one of the best hockey markets in the world, white out during the playoffs. He was the face of the franchise besides Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley. Like he was the guy. So why would you walk away from $7 million a year, 7.6 actually specifically, if you have all this? Like there's got to be a reason. your injury? Yeah, you can say that. Again, and I'm not saying sure. they did. I'm just saying, you know, kind of what's come out of his side. Which no, is, can... you know, Kawhi left because they mismanaged his injury. And then he came to Toronto. So then if Buffalo comes to Toronto, then we're going to win the cup. Oh, my gosh. That's conspiracy right there. You heard it here first, you heard it here first folks. Um, I mean, Toronto's medical staff apparently is top-notch. Look what they did with Ennis. I know he wasn't, like, the – 70 point guy that everybody thought he was going to be obviously but you know he was injured almost every year and then he comes to Toronto and he stayed healthy for most of it until he broke his foot but that's like <laughs> you can't control no. yeah that was uh, unfortunate oh, luck no. yeah but to, but to answer your question I don't I don't see Bufflin playing again I think his I think his playing days are over and he's realized having this time off of just not uh, not being around the rink and the boys is just family time and that's something he's missed and I yeah. think that's what he's going to do. We'll see after the quarantine whether uh, being, stu- being stuck with the kids uh, 24-7 is something that's going to be <laughs> something to look forward to. Um, but we'll move on here. We'll talk about uh, so a bit of salary cap news. Now, it was reported earlier today, actually, that uh, from Andy Strickland that the NHL players were told on a call that the cap will remain at 81.5 for next season. Yep. That has since been... Uh, 
re- refuted by Pierre Lebrun. Um, and Andy Strickland uh, then clarified his point by saying that there have been a lot of ideas and scenarios presented to the players, um, but that that one was presented as the most likely. So uh, we'll stick on that. What would a flat cap for this year uh, mean for the league? And to take it a bit further, because uh, the kind of rumor has been if it's flat this year, they may just agree to keep it flat for three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do, we, I don't, what do like, we think about that? If you're going to keep it flat for three years, I think you have to increase it even by like a million or two. You can't keep it flat at 81.5 for three years. That is the stipulation that it would be flat for three years. Like 81.5. You would be screwing over so many teams, which is fine because it's out of their hands. Like this is a scenario that nobody could have saw coming. You can't really prepare for it because the league's losing so much revenue, but they're going to have to do something like, I wrote one, an article a couple of weeks ago about what would happen if the uh, cap stayed flat or went down. And the likely scenario would be that each team gets one or two compliance buyouts that won't count against the cap. But then I looked at these, some of these teams that were like the highest spending. So we had like Toronto, uh, Tampa Bay, Arizona was one. And you look at the roster, who are you going to buy out? Chris Pronger. well yes Arizona was more likely but you look at teams like Tampa and Toronto they don't want to buy anybody out yeah so then that option now doesn't count for them and they're going to be like well how are you going to help us another way and Toronto is one of the biggest markets in the league whether it's the biggest market yeah whether Gary Bettman likes it or not you cannot screw one of your biggest markets like that but again, this is kind of based off the revenue, right? Um, the lack of, of playoffs this year could really, truly, and drastically um, affect how, how the revenue is. Well, I mean, apparently it's something like 75% of the NHL revenue comes during the playoffs. So that means that they get 25% of the revenue this year, which would, in theory, mean that the cap would drop by half of that. So we're looking at a 37% drop um, on the most extreme end. Um, so keeping it flat is somewhat the compromise and somewhat what they're trying to do to, to help the teams. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm not agreeing with it. I mean, these guys are multi-billionaires, <laughs> um, but it's, it's just such a peculiar situation. Like, yeah. What happens if there's a compliance buyout um, and, and teams need to use it, but, but don't know who to use it on. Do you use it on someone like Mitch Marner or, or, Vashilevsky. Well, one, thing to, nice... one thing to sorry, I'm just gonna jump in here. Well, one thing to consider too is you're not only looking at compliance buyouts, but like cap especially. There's teams that have traded guys away and retained cap for years. We still have the Leafs. I'm not gonna say we because, but the Leafs still have Kessel on the books for another two years. And yeah. imagine now next year where they thought the cap was going up, they have to re-sign Hyman. Hyman's a big piece for them. Hyman's not gonna come cheap, especially after the career year he's had. He's gonna he's gonna want over five. But now, because the cap's not going to go up and it's going to stay flat, yeah, of course, it's the, the league revenue. But because they retain that cap, that might cost them a significant player now. Another thing to consider, too, is the Seattle expansion. When Seattle comes in the league, they're going to pick the league apart. It's going to be exactly like Vegas again because they're going to be so strung up against the cap that teams That's are going to have to dump salary. Yep. 
So now yeah. it's going to be another Vegas scenario where everybody's like, well, Vegas comes in and it's like a wonder team where they go to the finals in their first year. Vegas was smart. Go look at who they took from Detroit. They took Nosek. That's not because they, there wasn't a better player available. It's because he had no cap. He was at like $900,000 a year. And then they went out and they were able to take trades from other teams. Like, I think it was Florida who traded them So and Riley Smith. They took on Riley Smith's $5 million, right? Because they were smart and they strategically took people with less money because they know teams that have less cap are going to have to get rid of these guys. So that set Vegas up with a, a plethora of picks that just set them up for years to come. Like, I've never heard of or seen in any expansion franchise in any sport league-wide to, be, to make the finals and then continue that success and then, be, and then in their first draft year has first three first-round picks, Suzuki, Brandstrom, and Cody Glass, and be willing to trade two of those players because they have that found success right out of the gates and then continue to trade all those picks they accumulated instead of building their franchise. So right. what you're saying is that we should all bet on Seattle to win the 2021. <laughs> I, I mean, bet. like it's, I mean, it's kind of hard not to, especially honestly, you, you make good points. Right. Cause like mm. the, let's say the cap with even went up 3 million in 2021. That's, that's a player for the Leafs. That's another depth player for a team like the Oilers or Chicago. Who's up against the cap now because of Taves and Kane. It's you have these huge contracts that are so hard to build around. And it's, it's dependent on the cap rising, right? Because the cap's the percentage of the revenue. Without the revenue going up, it's hard to be able to pay these players. Like Paul said about Tyler Ennis before, I'm going to mention that. Before he came to the Leafs, he wasn't the, the player he used to be. And you got him on 900000 But, okay, he has a redemption year. Now the league is going to have one or two huge contracts, maybe one or two good teams that are willing to spend a bit more money. But now Ennis isn't going to get the, the two to two to half that he deserves. He's going to have to settle for one because the cap's not going up or there's teams yeah. that have those immovable contracts. So the thing for this is there are players that aren't getting paid what they deserve. Rightfully, like it's not rightfully so, but it's just the cap world you live in. Yeah. So yeah, looking you're, at what you're the cap. you see a lot of free agents take less money coming up. They have to. Mm-hmm. And that was Winnipeg's biggest problem last year when Buffalo didn't know if he was coming back or not, right? That's why they had to move on from Truba because they didn't know if they could pay him or not. Right. So looking at the cap now, it's, it's, it sucks that it's going to stay flat. And honestly, I, I agree that it has to stay flat because there's no, there's no league revenue. So why would you incentivize paying more players when there's nothing to pay them for? I don't know. It, it, it honestly depends. Do I, see, do I think the league should increase the cap? Uh, dependent on the viewership and the, the increased ratings over the years, for sure. And it, like you said, the NHL is the, the main league in the world. Like KHL can be a close second for skill and whatever, but there's there's no following it's not close. Interna- in- internationally. It's not even close. No. So you want to have you want to keep those best players in your league and pay them properly. Oh, absolutely. But um, you know, <laughs> we're kind of at the mercy of what happens. So. Uh, I guess we'll, it'll just, it's just kind of a wait and see scenario and it could make things more interesting see how creative uh, these GMs really are and whether a monkey could do their job. Um, but <laughs> for now, we'll move on. Um, we're going to introduce a new segment called uh, our Mount Rushmore's. To be honest, this may be the only time we do it unless we bring on guests because we're going to kind of expose this one time answers. Um, 
But basically, uh, Mount Rushmore obviously will feature our four personal uh, players. So the players that we, you know, are four most favorite or four most influential um, on a personal level. And then we all created a an all-time Mount Rushmore. So that one will definitely be a little more up for discussion. Um, I'll throw to Paul first. Uh, hit us with some of your personal and then give maybe a, a quick 10 second on the on the main one that stands out. All right. Um, so for mine, as you can guess, my first one is Brian McCabe. He is number one. And, obscure and not uh, obscure yeah. favorite. As obscure as it is, I don't know what it was about him, but watching him as a kid, and I never even played defense. I was a forward playing. So I don't know why I was so drawn to him, but he was by far my favorite player. So fun to watch. Offensively gifted. He had a cannon. And he was not afraid to lay the body. He was just a great play. Him and Caballet together was so fun to watch because they were, were polar opposites and they just worked so well. And that's why he is my number one. And then I got Daniel Breer. He then became my favorite player after McCabe kind of got traded out of Toronto and fizzled off. Um, I love Breer watching him in that Buffalo series against Ottawa. That team was unreal. And I have a funny story about Daniel Breer, actually. So after watching that, he became my favorite player. And I asked my dad for Christmas if he could get me a Breer Buffalo jersey with the C because him and Jerry split time. And so my dad got it for me. And then he told me when he went to the store to buy it, the guy said, are you sure you really want to buy this jersey? And my dad's like, yeah, you know, it's my kid's favorite player. He'll love it. Well, you watch. He's going to go to Philadelphia this offseason, and you're going to have a jersey that's already old. He's like, nah, how do you know? Next offseason, goes to the Flyers. On the bright side, they are one of your favorite teams. They are. They that's are. because he true. went there. It started with him. Oh, one. really, eh? Yeah. And then so Quadru was another one of my favorites, so he's on the list. And then I got Austin Matthews just because, you know, diehard Toronto fan, unreal goal scorer just watch him like i'm not even gonna try and describe it (laughs) absolutely aaron what have we got for your top four personals all right so personals i did a bit different i i didn't do it off based off my favorite players because my favorite players would be biased to towards my my following of hockey since i started right so i don't i don't want to close the door on people from the eras before that i still enjoy because if it was my favorites, I'd be just going, say, again, Kane, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. But I just, I did mine based off people I enjoy to watch and something that's captivating to my eye as opposed to my favorite players. Okay. So I started off by uh, doing Wendell Clark. And mm-hmm. I, this, is, this one's interesting because, yeah, it's out of my realm and it gets a bit older, but I grew up playing with Wendell's son uh, for a few years and uh, got to know him. So we got shown some Wendell highlights and it's like, this is how you're supposed to play the game. Like this is the two way for power forward, like hitting. And then they just, you know, left out the fighting. But when you get older, it's more captivating, right? It's the first overall pick to again, the Leafs, like Leafs, like I'm a Leafs fan. I'm an Oilers fan, but I'm a Leafs fan. And as much as I like watching uh, skill-based guys, and I do have a couple of those, like you also love seeing the grit, the players who can do it all. Right. And I felt yeah. Wendell was that, that captivating guy. The second player on my list is Eric Lindros. Like, same thing. Huge guy, revolutionized the way power forwards play the game. Like, you go to hit him, like, you're, you're, you're going to get knocked. Like, you're, sorry, you're not, you're not coming close. 
but then you go hates French people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sure, why not? But yeah, no, just revolutionized the way power forwards play. Has a huge shot. It was a, a weapon on the power play, but could also just penalty kill and forecheck and fight. And to, to watch his highlights, it's, it's amazing for a guy his size to be able to move and have the skill he does. So that was my number two. Uh, and then number three was Pavel Bure. That's human highlight reel. Like every time, just wheels and deals. At, nobody could catch him. And if you watch his highlights, it's not like he did anything super flashy. It's not like he went through the legs or uh, the, the Michigan move. But it, he was just so skilled that everything he did just looks so, so finesse and so nice. And finally, Nathan McKinnon. And it's the same reason I put Bure on here. It's, it, I could put McDavid for speed, but you just watch McKinnon, it's captivating. I remember watching uh, him, him win the, the Memorial Cup that last goal he scored for Halifax, how it just captivated. He cuts to the right side and just shoots it opposite uh, left top, top left and jumps into the bench. It's just something I remember. And it's just, I guess, the, the style and dynamic he has that just draws me to him. No, that's a, that's a really good list. And I actually really liked uh, the kind of the route you took as opposed to going to just favorites. That being said, I did go just favorites. <laughs> um, and number one by an absolute landslide. And the only one I'll really talk about is uh, Jerome Aginla. That guy was a machine. He was. I mean, he was kind of everything that anyone, any hockey player, like, would want to be. And he's like, if you, if you like, had a create a captain laboratory and you created the perfect captain, they'd still be worse captain than Jerome Aginla. Like, that guy, I mean – he was robbed of a cup because they didn't have instant replay, which sucks. Um, but I mean, I remember the, the, the day I fell in love with the way he played was uh, in that cup final where you didn't really see as much fighting in the actual finals, but he dropped the gloves and just beat the life out of Vinny, Vinny LeCavalier. Uh, that just, oh, it was just awesome. So again, you're, you're really on the French theme today, aren't you? <laughs> Hey, well, Lindros didn't want to go to the Nordiques. That's all I was saying. Um, but uh, then after that, we got uh, Austin Matthews because, I mean, come on. Uh, Jonathan Taves, in part because of that ridiculous 2006 World Junior shootout. Um, and then sticking with the theme, Shea Theodore is my fourth. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's actually Eric Carlson. Uh, I lived in Ottawa for a couple of years. And so I, and since I couldn't afford Leaf games, I would definitely, I could afford the Ottawa games. And he, is abs he's he in his prime he was i think the second best player in the league behind crosby like what he was doing with the it is just unbelievable but uh we'll move on here to our all-time greats so we'll do i just want to i just want to jump in one one second for the the favorites i'm just gonna add the paul paul breer was on my list by the way he was uh he was fifth and i just want to throw that out there just so you don't feel left out with that one also had uh, John, John, John Tortorella on here as well. <laughs> most entertaining coach ever. I think he's everyone's favorite coach. He's awesome. Um, Sorry. All right, let's move on. So we're going to do our all-time now. Um, so these are the players we think should be on the all-time Mount Rushmore. Uh, we're going to do this a little differently because a lot of the people may have similar ones. So uh, I'll say a name and uh, anyone who's got them say aye. Uh, and when we'll see how similar all of us, all of ours are. So Wayne Gretzky, aye, aye, yep. Bobby Orr, aye, yep. 
Aye. Mario Lemieux? Aye. Aye. No I here. Ooh. Okay, wait. Let me get Mark Messier? Nope. Ooh. Okay, interesting. Um, so since we have some of those, Aaron, you'll we'll start with yours since you're missing two. Um, and then Paul, and then I'll go, and then Aaron, you can finish up. So Aaron, who who's uh, the third one on your all-time? All right. Well, one, two, you already said were Gretzky and Orr. Like, you can't dispute those. Um, I didn't number think you th- dispute you. Sorry, know. number three was Ovi for me. And it's not for the fact that, like, wow. he's better than Sid. He's better than Gordy. He's better than Super Mario. But, like, he's so close to beating a record that's been there for how many years, and nobody's even come close, but he has a shot. And the thing is, Ovi's dangerous wherever he is on the ice. Always a threat. But then you think of him, you're like, oh, okay, well, he only scores from one spot, right? But that's the thing. You already know the shot's coming, and he still scores. Like, yeah. how, <laughs> how talented are you that you can do the same thing over and over? Everybody knows it's coming, and it still works. Yeah. I like that and pick a lot, actually. And it's also the fact that he's not the, the typical sniper. He, okay, granted, when he was with Semin and there was no defense, but, like, he also hits. Like, it's not like he just stands there and does nothing. He, he led them to a cup eventually, right? Like, he, he is that guy for me. And, again, I didn't do it based off best players and best points. I did it based on best efficiency, how I think they are as players. All right, and so no then who's your fourth? My list. Uh, Yager was my fourth, actually. Ooh. I think, like, again, uh, Yager it's, came in at such a young age, was impactful right away, had so many, so many good seasons consistently. And that it's just hard that uh, there was a couple of years where he lost out on some points in the NHL where I think he maybe could have challenged Gretzky, right? Like, he could have had so many more good seasons in the NHL, <laughs> and he was so effective. And the thing is, his frame and the size and whatever he did, you, again, it's the same sort of thing as Ovechkin. Like, he only really had a couple moves, and it was using his butt. It was using his body, and it was, it was so effective, and you can't stop it. So all I'm hearing is that it would be Yager's butt instead of a face on the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, Babcock would have loved him. Who are we missing from yours? Uh, I went with Gordy Howe. I think just what he was able to accomplish in his time is unbelievable. The fact that he got to play with his kids, when does that ever happen? That's fair. He, he is Mr. Hockey. Uh, I, think, uh, I think a lot of uh, people older than millennials or uh, before the millennial generation would be pissed off at Aaron. Um, and <laughs> frankly, probably pissed off at me because I also don't have or um, I got Broder. Um, oh, because okay. he changed goaltending. Um, I actually, I think Dominic Hasek was probably the most talented goaltender and Patrick Waugh might be the best goaltender. Um, but Broder, who actually also might be the best goaltender, um, I think he just changed the way goaltenders play. He was so calm. He didn't move much, right? It was, a, he changed positioning. He changed, um, he, he changed everything about goaltending. But- you look at his pads, it was so unorthodox because they were so much smaller than everybody else in the league. And yep. that's why he was able to be agile and just, like, move wherever he wanted so quickly. And, and quick, and he just played the angles. He just knew – he knew his net better than any other goalie ever did. So uh, that's why he gets in there on me. For me, sorry. And, um, and surprise so we'll, car. <laughs> so, yeah, and, I mean, if, if you don't – rent enterprise 
then then you don't even get to visit Mount Rushmore. And guess um, what? They'll pick you up. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll move on here to our last segment. Uh, there are trivia. So I've given the guys, uh, I, I guess, one or two hints as to what we're doing. But uh, I gave them the opportunity to either go against each other or work together. And they've decided to work together because they are not uber competitive like other people, me, namely. Um, so what you guys will be doing is <laughs> trying to guess every single NHL team's franchise leading scorer. Oh, God. So you guys kind of have – well, you have unlo- – like there's no knocked out. You're gonna, you guys are going to guess for every single one. But you do have – I'm going to say eight. You guys got eight hints. And I'll tell you right now, the hints will be second. So I actually have in front of me uh, the top three leading scorers for each franchise. So every time okay. you want a hint for a franchise, I will, uh, I'll give you that. You don't have to go in order um, either. So, yeah. All right. So here's my – are we talking goals or points? Are you – Points. Are you ready to carry – because um, I am bit, yeah. horrendous at trivia. I got you. I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> this is why I opted for a team one, not against each other. I, I didn't know what to expect either, so we're in this together. <laughs> so, um, all right. Oh, so, yeah, sorry. Do I do get... have one more. One more follow up. Are we talking entire franchise histories, or or are we talking just like team history? Um, I will be. I will specify that per team. So, like, Winnipeg counts <laughs> Winnipeg and Atlanta. Um, that, yeah, that's why I was going to – okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, so, do you guys want to go in order? Do you want me to t- just give you which teams and then you guys can fig- guess from there? Or do you want to – Yeah, go- I say, I feel like I that'd say be let's easier. go in order. Let's go yeah. in order alphabetically, and then we can always circle back. All righty. The Ducks of Anaheim. I think I know this one already, but, Paul, you want to give it well, a try? You guys- you guys can like you guys can discuss. Uh, all right, I think just because it's dating back to Winnipeg, I'm guess that's what Max said. So Solani. Is that your uh, guys' final answer? Paul, what do you think? Yeah. Alrighty. Yes, it is Timu Solani. Second was Getzlav, um, who's actually only uh, 23 points behind him. So Ooh. that can change soon. Um, and then Perry's third. So Arizona. Shane uh, Doan. Yeah, I think Donor I feel like, would have to be yeah. the guy. He's the only the guy long enough. Is that your yeah, final I'm, answers? I'm, tr- I'm trusting Paul on this one. Shane Doan. Shane Doan is the right answer. Again, not by too much, but he won't be caught too soon um, because second to him, second to his 972 points is Howard Chuck, uh, who had oh, 929. Yeah. And then actually Thomas Steen is third with right, 817. That's... You guys oh, still yeah. have your eight hints. So uh, next up is Boston. Um, Initially, I want to go Bobby Orr. But I don't think so, though. I don't know. Oh, God. Uh, you guys got five seconds. I, I, just say I mean, Orr. Or do you have someone I, else? I think Ray Bork. Okay, Bork. Good call. Ray Bork. Oh, good job. Dang. Man. It was actually it was Johnny Busick, then Esposito. All right. I was thinking Espo too. Buffalo, this is this is up to you, Paul. This is all you. <laughs> I know. Now I'm going to feel bad not getting it. 
Um, well, okay, think of retired players because nobody relevant now or in the past couple of years. Um, like, was Andrew Shot there long enough? I don't think so. Maybe. You guys got uh, five seconds. I'm not confident in this one. I don't know. They were so bad for so long. I don't, I, let's what just about the French, French connection line, right? Oh, Perot. I need an answer, guys. Perot? Per, is that what you said? Yeah. Sure. Go with what Paul said. Perot. Your guys' last second answers are absolutely clutch. Gilbert Perot. Wow. With 1326, <laughs> and then Andrew Chuck was second. All right, Calgary. Okay. We can fly Great through call. a couple of these here. Calgary. Right, Cal- Calgary, we already know. That's that's your favorite player of all time. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Iggy, um, then he had Fleury and Al McKinnis behind him. Carolina? Hmm. I want to say Brindamore, but I'm not confident in that one. Yeah. I think we use a hint on this one. No, I don't think Stahl was there. Like, Stahl's been there, was there a while, but I don't think he's there. What do you think? Use a hint. Francis? Ooh. I think Brindamore was still better. Oh, no. Brindamore kind of jumped around, though. I'll go, go with whatever you think. Uh, Francis. That is right. Um, and Francis, by the way, is like sixth all time for points. Like he really, yeah. I didn't know he had that many points. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, he was first with uh seven or eleven hundred seventy-five, but he obviously played in a bunch of places. So he had eleven or eleven hundred points with Carolina alone. I think he finished with like I think he's up where like seventeen hundred. I think for his career. Um, and then Eric Stahl was second. And then Kevin Deneen, third. Very All right. interesting. All right. Moore <laughs> wasn't in the top three. Weird. I feel like you guys won't think of Chicago's, but you'll kick yourself. I after. can guarantee you I will. Okay. Who is it? Stan Makita. Okay. Never mind. Good call. <laughs> yep. And then Bobby Hall and Denny <laughs> Savard. Colorado. It's, so the, re- the reason I knew that one was because uh, – from when he passed they were doing like this whole tribute thing to him from chicago and then right uh, again working with the ice dogs he's from that area so there was uh always stuff going on about stan Nikita. so you just got to learn stuff about it all right well good call and this is slum dog millionaire type of stuff um <laughs> colorado so does this count quebec yes i still want to say sackic but i'll just give that it's by a landslide it's okay. it's sackic by like yeah, 700 sure. points. Like Forsberg would be the next one. Nope. If that really, who's second? Peter Stasny. And then really? Michael Goulet. Interesting. That's very Quebec. All right. Uh, Columbus. Columbus. Uh, Rick Nash. Not even close. It's a little closer than you think, but it is with without a doubt Rick Nash. Cam Atkinson second. He's got 368. Nash has 547. And then Nick Felino wow. makes the top three. All right, huh. Dallas. Is this including Minnesota? Uh, I think so. I don't know. It's straight. You, you guys should get this one pretty easily. Mike Ribeiro? I don't know. No, I'm, I'm definitely kidding. I'm definitely kidding. Um, <laughs> Mike Ribeiro oh, is no, correct. It's, no, it's uh, – what? No. Really? No, he, he, no he's, he's not, it's not correct. No. Um, Medano. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's Medano, um, and then two guys who I've never actually heard of. Um, Detroit, Mr. Hockey. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Mr. Hockey. Actually, only by like fifty points over Eiserman. 
Really? Or Zierman. Um, Edmonton? That's all you, buddy. Oh, it's the great one. It's not even close. You're right. Yari Curry gets one. <laughs> 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 yep. Uh, Gretzky. Uh, Florida. Oh, Florida. this one's going to be tough. Yeah, this one's close. I'll tell you, first through third is separated by 30 points. How was there anybody good on Florida before? Like, yes, 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 there was. And Jovanowski, him. That's not who I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a former Toronto Maple Leaf as well who played on Florida. I don't think seconds to submit an answer. I think it's Oli Okanen. I think it's Oli Okanen. Oh, good pick. Yes. So it was Oli Okanen. Until ah. Huberto passed him this year. What? So that is your first miss, which is a little. Yeah. You guys went a pretty wild. I did not think you'll get you'd get pro. So well done. That's um, on Paul. All right, moving on to LA with three thousand point getters actually, but you only need the top one. I don't think it's. Oh, it's not Grats. Can't be. No, I don't think it's there long enough. It's the man with the most oh, points without uh, winning a cup. Marcel Dion? Yes. Yeah. Also my mom's favorite player. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. Um, all right. Minnesota. Minnesota. I think you guys are going to get your second honest, miss. Just think of, like, who's been in Minnesota the longest. That's all I can Koivu's think of. has been there forever. Just go with Koivu. I don't know anybody else that's been there besides Koivu forever. Does this include would... any other things, or is it just Minnesota? Just Minnesota. Huh. Um, like, I don't think Parise would be ahead of Koivu. No, no, because he joined uh, from New Jersey. Five seconds. All right, let's just go Koivu. Koivu it is. It is Koivu. Actually, by 300 points over Marion Gabrick. Mm, right. He break. Wow. That would have been a great player to have on the obscure list. Yeah. That is yeah. true. That is a very good pick. Remember when he played with Kopitar? Throwback. All right. Montreal. You got a lot of people to pick from here, uh-huh. but not much time. Oh, God. And they are pretty close. Is, uh, the Rocket? No. Yeah, I was going to say that's, I don't know. That's pretty safe pick. It's a safe pick. I don't trust myself. Five seconds. What about? Uh, oh God, I don't know. Either him or Lafleur. I know. You choose. Well, I, don't care. I think. Mm, Final mm. answers. Lafleur. Paul. Lafleur is correct. Oh, oh God. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Rocket doesn't even make the top three. Lafleur, really? Bellavo, and then Ari. Oh. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, yeah. So good right. call there. Good, you you guys in your last second ones. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying pressure. the names that are coming to mind. I'm just saying Paul choose. <laughs> um, all right, Nashville. No, no, this is. Uh... Ooh, oh, it's someone's really obscure. Mike, Fisher. I don't remember his name. <laughs> no, <sighs> Paul, you're right. It's you someone are, like right. I know I you know who it is, know. but you don't know his name. And I'll oh. give you a free clue. He was their first ever draft pick. No, he was traded to Ottawa, wasn't he? No, I don't think so. I mean, he might have been, but I don't think so. I don't know. Because the name... He's their Cody Glass. 
like the name I'm getting in my head is Jason Arnott, but I know it's no, not him. No, 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 that's I need, your name. I need a name in five seconds. I don't remember his name, but it I know it's someone. I know it. I know it. It starts with an L. Mm. Oh, leg, a... leg, uh, leg one. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> I Damn. feel like we've gone over the time limit a couple times, but. Ah, well, when you guys are close, I'm going to give it yeah, to you. Give you a them. sec. Um, yeah, he's followed by Martin Erat, famously traded oh for uh, Philip Forsberg. And Shea Weber is third. Yeah. Wow. All right, New Jersey. Three Stanley Cups. Jeez. Oh, is it the captain, Eliash? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, or, yeah. yeah, okay. By a, by a, by a while. Second is uh, freaking diehard legend, John McClain. Never even heard wow. of that guy. Um, and then right. Travis Jajak is third. All right. Weird. The Islanders. Oof. Oh. Uh, who? Coffin? No. No, no, no. Um, who? I, I, no. School score. Um, scored 50 consistently. I know. No. I know it. Five I know seconds. Trotchet. Trotchet. Another last second pull out for the victory. Yes. Wow. Brian Trotty, 1353. Mike Bossy, 1126. Then Denny Potman. So you weren't too far off, all there. No. All I right. wasn't off. I just knew it was the goals that made a difference. Somehow the Rangers, despite being an original six, have one player over a thousand, and he is their franchise leading scorer. Who is this guy? I had his hockey card, actually. Um, and I had no idea that he was actually any good. So. No, it's not Messier. No, he wasn't there long enough. I only know, actually, the second player on this list. I don't know either first or third, really. I can't. Uh... (laughs) I mean, you guys got five seconds, but... Can we take a hint? I don't know. I'm blanking. I mean, I don't even... Like I said, the hint is I'll give you who second and then third is, but I don't think that'll help you. Let's just try it. I, I can't um, think of anybody. All right, second is Brian Leach. Wow. And third is Jean Chatel. And I'm already putting an X beside the Rangers. Yeah, not, I don't know. Not, who it is. Honestly, I have no idea. Rod Gilbert. Nah, I wouldn't have gotten that one. thousand twenty-one. All right, Ottawa. Oh, wow. Would it be Spencer or Alfie? I feel like Alfie. All right, let's go Alfie. It's one of the, it's it's one of the two. It's one yeah. of the two. There's nobody. All right, take your pick. I'm thinking of go Alfie. Yeah, Alfie by a landslide. Okay. Uh, he almost doubles Spezza. Wow. Um, and then and then Carlson was third. So that's mm. cool. Uh, Philadelphia. Not not Danny Heatley. <laughs> no, <laughs> got traded too quick. Uh, Philly, 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 Philly. Claude has to be up there. He's had a couple hundred point seasons, but like they're they're too historic to not. Yeah, this is no. I don't think it's him. I don't. I don't think it's Lindros either. No, it's not. I think it's the well, one like, of the he's up there too. bullies. Bobby Clark. Yeah, he's got five seconds. I can't. I can't remember his name. Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark. Yeah. 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 Whew. I. I mean, I would have been surprised if you guys hadn't gotten Bobby Clark, but you did, which is good. Um, and he was. Time. He was a bit of a runaway on that one, too. All right, Pittsburgh. Well, Sid or Super Mario? I'm going to go Mario. Mario. I think. Yeah, they both spent their careers there, and Mario is third all or fourth all-time for points. Yeah. 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 
San Jose. The former Toronto Maple Leaf, Patrick Marlowe. Is that your guys' final answer? You seem pretty confident in that. Let's go with that. I'm very confident in that one. Well, you should be, but not by much. It's uh, it, He's got just over 50 points on Thornton. Mm-hmm. It's because when he went back this year, he yeah. added to it. So that could be that could change. Um, St. Louis. Oh no! Louis. How many strikes do we have? Um, well, you've missed two, but there's no strikes, so we're just gonna go till the end. Oh, okay. okay. But you guys are at about seven seconds here. I say we take a hint. I have no idea. No, it wouldn't um, be. It wouldn't be one of the balls. I don't know. Maybe. Do you guys want a hint? Yeah, sure. All right. Second is Brett Hall. Oh, there, there you right, go. That's what I, um, I have no idea. I'm stumped. He featured prominently at the All Star Game. All righty, that's a that's a miss, and it's the big Bernie Federko. Mm, wow, wouldn't have got that. He had over a thousand points actually, and Brett Hall didn't. Interesting. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, this one Vinny, is pretty close. Vinny Stammer or St. Louis? Which one? I, I think Marty. Yeah, I'll tell you, you just got the top three. Those are the top three. Well, what can I say? I'm just, uh, you're just, just, you're a, just Tampa a Bay fan. Born genius. What do you think, Paul? I think Marty. Go with Marty then. Marty was the right one to go with. Um, he's got about. 80 points on the Cavalier and Stamkos is 50 behind him. Yeah, because wow. Vinny, like, he was there longer, but he fell off. He wasn't as prolific. He had one 50 yeah. goal season and that was a 100 point season. And was that 2006, I think? Either way. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow, we are awful Leaf fans. No, I, I, it's not that I don't know it. I'm just not confident in it. It is pretty close. That's what I mean. Like, it could, because, like, I'm thinking Matt's, but I'm also thinking it could just be, like, somebody from the 1940s or 50s. Right, because they've been around for way too long. Yeah. I'm going to need a name in five seconds. I don't know. I'm I'm just going Matt's. Yeah, I think think Matt's is safe. I don't like my guess, though. You should. Oh, thank God. Matt's over Sittler by about 70 points. Wow. I'm a Leafs fan, I swear. All right. <laughs> Maybe the close. Oh, no, it's not the closest. The next one's the closest. But the second closest, Vancouver. Which should you? That or is Naslin. the question. Or Naslin. Yeah, exactly. That could be the question. The Don't forget Trevor Linden. Or Linden. I think it was the assistant one. Which one Daniel? Daniel? I, I, no, I, I think it was Henry because he got the silver stick first, didn't he? Did he? I think so. They're separated by 29 points. Oh, oh God. Why right, couldn't it be point. 22 or 33? Uh, okay. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go Hendrick. That is right. Oh, thank God. This is getting yeah. stressful. I don't want to get <laughs> We're that, almost there, get, though. Yeah, but I don't want to get think... that last right. You guys think that was stressful? Vegas. First place um, and second place are separated by one point. Oh, God. Oh, it's a total well, it's toss been, up. Okay, let's think. 
they've been around for what two three years now uh so it's gonna be have to be somebody that they took in the expansion um some of you had like a really good couple points or Carlson. seasons with points uh marcia so question mark i don't know I, go with carlson i don't know it's gonna be one of those two and it's gonna be the one off by one um i don't know carlson go. that first year shredded it up and go carlson i'm not yeah, confident in my answer it's Marsha though. Dang. Yep. 181 to Carlson's 180. Um Zoe had the better second year. Um Washington. Ovi? Yeah, right? It's gotta be. It's gotta be. I'm gonna just end that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. It is. Uh, and your last one, Winnipeg. And this is this is including Atlanta. Yes, sir. Kovalchuk? He tore Atlanta up. That that was Paul was confident. Go with Paul. Kovalchuk was their leader until this year. Oh no! Until Captain Brian Little or whoops, Blake Wheeler. Sorry, wow. Brian Little's third. Wow, Wheeler uh, uh, is the new franchise leader. So you guys wow. did pretty well. You missed five. Um, Two of them were by this year, though. Yeah, and three of them. Three of them. You missed Florida. Huberto passed this year. Yeah. Um, so he passed this year, and oh, Wheeler. So. All right, right. So that was that was quite good. But good. Um, that is all the time that we have for today's show. Is there anything either of you guys want to add? No, I think we're all good. No, I'm just going to say I look forward to talking cap and draft and maybe getting some more trivia in the future. Well, trivia is going to be a staple, except next time Paul will be the trivia master. Uh, but thanks for tuning in, guys, and uh, and we'll see you next week. All right, bye. Be sure to check us out at getofftheice.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at getofftheice.